Welcome to One Long Conversation. I'm Sonia. And I'm Colby. This is a podcast about spiritual awakening. Yeah, and through that we talk about art, culture, conscious parenting, and healing yourself so you can express and freely share your unique perspective with this world. This is a fun and informative conversation that we have daily, and we're sharing it with you. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. talked yesterday about because we're in a full moon full virgo moon right now in western tropical and we had talked about everything that you're going through that you're experiencing which is not individual i had shared that this is something you need to just we need to share about this in an episode Mm. Mm -hmm. it's about being number one i feel it's about accepting who you are Mm-hmm. accepting ourselves as we are mm-hmm. because when you don't accept who you are you're going to get the mirror reflection back at you of exactly what you're putting out what you put out into the morphogenetic field is exactly what's going to be mirrored back at you because this universe that we're in is a holographic universe yeah and if you are not confident and comfortable with your humanity with your personality then you're going to get that reflection back and the question is why are you not fully comfortable with yourself and I don't believe that this is an age thing oh I'm young my body's young and therefore I'm not comfortable with myself I do not believe that at all yeah but yeah, what, you I, share what you had ex- you had shared with me yesterday, what you were experiencing. Sure, I I mean I guess I'm just it's not really something that I ever acknowledge because I'm not. I guess historically I've always been very repressed, and throughout like all of my 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 youth, I suppose when I was a kid I was pretty repressed. Uh, through middle and high school, I was super repressed. Um, you know, I just kind of kept to myself, really started in grade school, honestly. Um, there are a couple experiences that I had where I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable sharing myself anymore. I guess I didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable growing and learning in front of people. I felt I felt like ridicule uh, was too much for me to go through, and I didn't, I didn't want to do that anymore, and so I just decided to shut down, um, and that just kind of carried on. I guess I just, anytime I really had an opportunity to like present myself, I just kind of would like pull back, um, and. And I would just wait to see what other people would bring forward so that I could play off of that. Because I guess the whole idea is that I could become well-liked if I said and did things that made other people laugh or made them happy. Um, but, you know, I guess that, that came at the expense of my own um, individuality. 
because I was really afraid of not being liked. And I, I think I still am a little bit afraid of not being liked. But it's flipped a little bit today because I, I realized after school that if I wanted to become anything in the world, then I would have to present myself. And it's like, I guess right now I'm going through the struggle of how to present myself. It's I'm trying to unlearn all these things that I have habitually indoctrinated into the things that I do, the things that I say, what I hold back from presenting to people. All of that is instinctive now. It's just based out of habit. And and having to consciously break that is not proving to be easy. That's good. So right now, while we are in the Pisces sun sign, we're in, in all this Pisces. Neptune's in Pisces. Mercury's in Pisces. Uh, I forget there's another planet that's going to go into Pisces. Oh, Saturn just entered Pisces. There we go. So since we're in all this Pisces, Pisces is the end. And it's the end of a cycle. It's the end of, of who you thought you were. Because Pisces, the flip side with Pisces is delusion. It's what I call the Disney program. Oh, love and light and everything's Cinderella. That's also Piscean. I know so well because Pisces rules my seventh house. So I'm delusional about relationships. So you see your patterns and we all have patterns. We all start with patterns and cycles and they go into the lives before this one as well. They go into past lives. So when I watched all three of you come into this world, I saw what you came in with because we come in with things because no baby starts fresh and new as I'm a clean slate and a personality. You come in with the personality that you created from, and I'll speak in linear terms, past lives. And I watched you come in with a lot of fear of interacting with the field as a newborn. You were having a hard time with that. You didn't, you did not smile. And it took your father a lot of work to get you to smile finally on your three month picture. And it took you a long time to really get comfortable with yourself and your body. Now, we had a lot of fun with you. So we always encouraged you just to express yourself freely. So in our household, you could express yourself freely. But when you went out and we, I mean, I had you, all three of you involved in social activities from birth as newborns. And that was when you were learning from what society was doing. So in our household, all three of you can be yourselves. But when you're going out into the outer world, it's not always that way. And you discovered that early on. What you guys discover, which is what we all discover, is that humans in general repress themselves for fear of being ostracized. Oh, you're too different. You're not doing this the way we're all doing this. You're too weird. We don't like you. You're out. Now, in tribes, that is traditionally, I know there are tribes that do ostracize their members, but there are many, many tribes that somebody's different, 
they accept their difference. I mean, we know that in the North American indigenous cultures, we've got what, you know, what our middle child Mars is, a two spirits. And the two spirits encompasses the male and the female gender in one body and is considered the wise one, the sage, the seer. And we know that when healthy indigenous cultures, when they see difference in their members, it's honored and celebrated. Oh, you have a different perspective. Let's hear from you. But in our current patriarchal system, which is, you know, you're put into an institution to learn and everybody is taught rote memorization programming. And we've come in as a family to do something different from that. And yet we still have to fit in with society that has, that is still playing that out. That's a loop. It's an echo. Then it's challenging. And so what we find is that from an early age, when we are just being ourselves, that's really different compared to in our peers, we're put into a school system. We're put in, in, a, in a grade with everybody of the same age. And this is not in our country. This is the whole world does this. This is the patriarchal system. And we're taught to be exactly like Susie and Johnny, to use old 1930s and 40s names. And that does not work. And we came into this life currently to change that. I personally had a very long, long journey into learning how to be authentic to myself, my perception, how I want to live in the world, what feels good for me, what is true for me, being the youngest of three, being a female, and being a very mutable personality. I learned early on to conform and copy. I also learned from my inner self, what we call higher self, that I was not to do that, but I did it anyway, because that was just kind of the natural pecking order of being the youngest of three in a family of five. And my external feedback was, this is not authentic to you and you need to be yourself. And so because I kept putting out into the world that I'm conforming, but I'm kind of being myself. And then I really expressed that as a teenager. And yet what I was, how I thought I was expressing myself was also conforming because I thought that putting blue paint in my hair and pink paint in my hair and using black nail polish and wearing chains and everything that the Euro music invasion I thought was bringing in, they were just actually recycling everything from the punk movement of the 70s. I didn't know that. I didn't do the research. So I thought I was being really unique as a teenager. I wasn't. I happened to be unique in the small town high school that I was going to in northern Minnesota, but I wasn't unique on the world front. And I learned that that wasn't my thing either. And I went through these cycles very quickly as a teenager. I have, to, I have to show a part of myself that no one else is showing. That's how I thought. I have to do something really unique 
So I would change my fashion all the time. I would change my hair all the time. I would change my makeup. I would change my jewelry. I would change my shoes. And then people would copy me. And that really annoyed me. And it's funny because I wanted to be unique and uniquely myself, but I didn't know what that was. And it was a really long journey for me throughout my 20s in New York. Of course, I conformed to the Broadway thing. Then hip hop came in in the late 80s. I conformed to that. There was nothing new or original about that. But being a Caucasian person in that world, yeah, it was unique. But it took me a long, long time. And the practice of yoga is really what helped me to come to it. Is I have to just, I had to simplify. I had to like take off all the costumes. I had to take off all the masks. and. Just like get down to who I am and just kind of start fresh. And I'll go back to Muji. Advaita Vedanta actually helped me with that. That was the purpose of that in my life, was to help me to whittle, take off the astrologer numerologist costume. Um, I got rid of the word vegan. I, I got rid of all the labels and came down to myself and I was like, well, what do I really love? Like, what do I love to do in life? I love movement. I love health and wellness. I love healing. I love really unique healing. I love the cosmos. I love anything galactic. I love the earth. I love being out in the earth. I love eating earth. I love like living in earth. And I really want to learn to garden. Because that's our natural state of being is to grow our own food. And I really want to learn how to build a house. I want to build my own house. And I want to learn how to, how to do a dome greenhouse. I want to learn how to grow my food. I mean, all that just kind of came up out of that. That's authentic to me. So I focused on that. I even like stopped wearing so much makeup, got down to just bringing out my natural features simplified my food. That's when I went fruitarian for a while. I'm like, I'm just going to even like simplify my food. I'm going to simplify my face. I'm going to simplify my hair, my clothing, which was already really simple anyway. And just get down to like, I, and then, I mean, I was outside mostly naked in a bikini and bare feet all the time in the summer. My clothes were very simple. Um, I just, I decided I was done conforming and I just got down to myself. And I became accepting of myself. Now, this is not a journey that you have to do throughout your life. You can do this journey within yourself right now, no matter what your chronological age is. Anybody can do this. You can let go of your parents. I had to let go of my parents. I love my parents, but I literally had to separate myself from them in order to find myself. And the reason I had to separate myself from them is because their programming was so dominant in my life. They're still in my life, but I have a healthy relationship with them now. It's within myself. I learned that everything that you are is within you. No one without you has what you came here to have and to share. And this is exactly what. We know that the Aquarian age, which is actually starting this month when Pluto enters Aquarius, we know that that is what this new age is bringing in 
what is also called the age of love. Self-love. It's the age of self-love. Christ consciousness. The Christ is the crystalline energy within the realization of the self. I am God goddess. I am creator source. It's me. And the, the source, the, the oneness of all that is, the one particle, decided that, and where it, decided it wanted to experience itself subjectively. And so it fractalized. And we're the fractals of that. So we came into this life with a mission. Everybody came into this life with a mission. Because the only way that you can come into this life is to become an individual and have a mission. Otherwise, you're just the oneness. We came in with this mission to learn about ourself through our every experience. So we go through cycles, levels, and layers. And we have to put out ideas, concepts, and emotions into the morphogenetic field in order to see the reflection back of it. And then we have to feel it. Does that feel true to my body? Does that feel true to my soul? Does that feel true to my entire essence, my entire being within me? If it feels grounding, if it feels exciting, if it drives you and motivates you to take action to create, if it feels comfortable, if it feels joyous, then that's who you are. And you have to accept that yourself. Otherwise, no one's going to accept that at all. And the only way that you're going to learn about who you are is by putting it out into the field. You can sit within yourself all the time, but you're, that's not what you came here to do. And so I see you going through your cycles and levels and layers of discovering who you are through your friends, through your music, through us as a family, through our travels, through all of your adventures and interactions, through our cats. I see you discovering yourself through Nana and Papa, through your siblings, through your father. I see you discovering yourself. And the question is, what aspects of those parts of yourself do you like? Like I'm asking you genuinely right now. Yeah. What do you like about yourself? Well, I really like how excited I get when there's an opportunity to fulfill uh, an idea. I really like how much ideas and creativity excite me. Um, I really like... I really like the fact that they come to me so quickly. I, I have a lot of very, very strong ups and downs. And to be honest with you, I, I kind of like the ups and downs because when I'm in a down like I was yesterday, then I come out of it into an up. And today is a massive up. It's like I woke up, I meditated, and all of a sudden I just got this like great idea. And I was like, oh my God, okay. I know like exactly like where to go with like all this stuff that I've been struggling with. Like I know where to take it. I know what to do. And, and it's just a matter of finding that uh, consistently. I, I really like, I really like how funny I am. I think I'm a really funny person and you're 
freaking hilarious. And you have been since you were three months old when you started smiling. And I, I would like, I would like even more if I could, I would like to become more comfortable with how funny I am. That's something I've always wanted because there's really, there's really no reason. There's really no reason why I shouldn't be. Um, Do you entertain yourself with your humor? I entertain myself all the time. That's why I'm so comfortable spending time with myself. Because when I'm with myself, that's like a safe space. And I can entertain myself consistently. But that's all that matters. You're absolutely right. Like, I'm the funniest freaking person in my room every time. I am funny. I actually used to get paid professionally to be funny. (laughs) So, I mean, I did improv comedy. I was so funny. And I am funny. And I'm very dramatic. I like that about myself. I didn't used to like my drama. And because I didn't like my drama, because I heard my birth family, I say birth family because, you know, you're, you're now my secondary family. My siblings in particular used to pick at me for my drama. And my parents used to do a lot of, a lot of kind of chiding in kind of a funny way, but not always so funny about, oh, you're so dry, Sonia's so dramatic. And I'm like, where do you think I learned this from? They're also very dramatic, but it was almost like a cut, like mm-hmm. a dig. And so it was, and I realize now that it was an echo of a part of myself that I had to get really comfortable with being out there. Yeah. I chose in this life to get out there because the life before this one, I was out there, but I was not comfortable with it Yeah, at all. And clearly I didn't like in the life before this one that I wasn't comfortable in my own body with that out there and people looking at me and people are watching me on the stage, on the screen. I've been nominated for an Oscar. I'm not comfortable with that. I have to get drunk in order to be comfortable with that. That was the life before this one. And this life, I chose a personality that's like, oh, I love it. Mm. I love being out there. I love being in the spotlight. Yeah. But then there was a ripple of doubt on that. And that was echoed by my original family members. And it took a long time for me to be comfortable. I have a loud voice. I have a really open throat chakra. I have a really dramatic personality. I speak big. I have big words and I have confidence in them. Yeah. And when I say something, it puts a big emphasis out into the field. I manifest very quickly. So I have to be really, really conscious. I've had to learn to be, and it's yoga that helped me to become really, really conscious of when I'm speaking, I am making great changes. People listen to me because I have a very big, bold, boisterous throat. And I have a really big influence in the field. You do as well. Yeah. But are you comfortable with it? I would say, okay, so my version of that is I am not comfortable with my sensitivity. That is the number one thing that has consistently held me back, I feel like, my entire life. Because here's the thing. I could say something and be really excited about it, but if somebody says something that like disparages that, it like hurts me. 
And I, I tried not to let that hurt me, but it does. It hurts me a lot. And it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter how they're saying it. It doesn't matter if they mean it a certain way. If I take it a certain way, it like hurts me. Just the way it said the words that are used. And I, and it's like, that's just one example of how I feel like that has, that's an example of what I don't like about it. There are a lot of great things that my sensitivity to different emotions offers me, but I feel like I've not been able to really harness and use that because I'm so busy trying to construct ways to get around the sensitivity so that I can be more defensible, you know? Because that then if somebody comes at me with something, my my defenses that I've constructed are that, oh, well, I can think my way around it, and then I don't have to feel so bad. And then if I can think something logical enough, then I can say that thing that's logical, and that'll make them realize that what they said was silly, and me too. And because they feel that way, I'll feel like that's silly, and then I won't feel so bad. Because I just don't want to feel bad. And the problem is, I, I, am, I am very naturally funny and entertaining, and, and I have a loud voice, and I, I can go out and do all that. But if somebody doesn't, if somebody doesn't like what I'm doing, well, then, then I'm going to start crying. And then, and then all the fun's over, and I don't like that. I hear that you want to know actually who we do know. We, we, I mean, the whole world knows somebody who had this problem. Mm. Robin Williams, yeah. who is a triple water. He was cancer. Pisces, Scorpio. I think he was. I think he was Moon in Pisces and Pisces and Scorpio rising. He had the water trine in his first three placements. Yeah, and he was so sensitive. His mother, who he was like, she was his whole world. Um, he he learned through her to use humor in order to process and deal with his sensitivity. Now, you come from a long lineage of highly empathic people, and especially in Nana's family. And part of this is literally the DNA of the Finnish gene pool, the, especially with the masculine. The masculine in the Finnish gene pool are highly sensitive males, feel everything. And Nana's father, your great-grandpa Antonin, this was something that he had to deal with. And again, I told you, Michael and I did his chart and he was moon in Pisces too. And he was so sensitive. And so he did exactly what you've been doing because he was an Aries. He put out more of a tough exterior, never told Nana and her sister that he loved them until he was dying. He, he did what, you know, he played the John Wayne type of guy and it wasn't authentic for him because he was born and raised in a time in a in a century when that wasn't acceptable for the masculine to act that way but he was loving and caring and and highly sensitive he's here now he just came in and he was he cared for his daughters so much and cared for the feminine so much. I know, I can feel him, he's all around me. But he was very, very sensitive. And his brothers, he had a lot of brothers. They were all sensitive. And many of them were alcoholics, and they were so sensitive. They didn't know what to do with all of their sensitivity. And one of them hanged himself to death in the barn. And another one shot himself in the head. Emu, I think emo, emo, I think emo was one of them. And um, they were all Finnish, so they all had Finnish names. And my brother, as you know, inherited this. 
And your great aunt Evelyn's son, Mark, also inherited this. But Mark was raised by a tough guy hunting dad. So that was unacceptable for Mark to be sensitive. Whereas my brother, it was acceptable for him to be sensitive in our family, but it wasn't wasn't acceptable for him to be sensitive in the outer world, which is exactly what you're experiencing. Now, I will share with you as, as an intuitive empath, I am highly, highly sensitive. I feel everything. And it's a gift. It's not a curse. It's not something that has to be bypassed by the mental body. There is literally techniques and exercises and practices that you can use to empower your empathic abilities because you're a very powerful empath. You were born this way. I watched you come in sensitive and grappling with your own energy. And so that's why I was with you all the time. You were with me for the first 10 years of your life, almost 24 seven, except for when you wanted to go to school and start to learn from other people. But that's why I carried you on my body. You were always on me. I was always showing you, we can be sensitive, we can touch things, we can feel things without it damaging us, without that feeling of I'm going to be damaged by my external world because I feel everything so much. When we learn to use our empathic abilities to not only feel the energy around us, but to help others. This is the key. This is the key for all empaths listening to this. Our empathic ability is a gift. To be highly sensitive is a gift because your body is a very highly tuned pendulum. It's an instrument that can read the currents in Mother Earth You can literally use it to feel what is going on in the collective consciousness. I knew there was an earthquake that was going on in Turkey and um, I knew all of that was happening. I felt it. I felt exhausted. I knew when the scamdemic was was coming, I heard every single morning for more than a month in the beginning of 2020 and I saw the word Asia come in my head and I heard screaming within. And I, it literally woke me up at the end of February of 2020. In the morning, my body was shaking so much. And I literally opened up my eyes, gasped for breath because I realized I was holding my breath in my sleep. And I said, oh my God, humanity, would you just relax? Take a breath. What is going on? And I, and I, that's when I used the fire. And I was like, Higher self guides, tune me in right now. What's going on? I need, I need some like actual tangible physical answers. I need information. You have to use it to help you to help the collective. It's like in the original Star Wars A New Hope in the mid-70s, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Sir Alec Guinness, an Aries, when he is going with Luke to go into Tatooine, they're going to go into the bar and the stormtrooper is stopping him. And, you know, and he's like letting, he's using his empathic abilities in order to change the morphogenetic field 
to get what he needs because he's showing Luke things. He also, all the Jedi Knights, they use their empathic abilities to feel the force and to feel a disturbance in the force and what's going on. That's exactly what I do as well. It's the same thing, just different words. When there's a disturbance in the collective, as empaths, we can feel it and we can use it to help. So I asked, what the heck is going on? I'm hearing screaming. I'm seeing the word Asia, hearing humanity freaking out like WTF. I can't breathe. My whole body is locked up. The problem is, is that people don't understand that we're all one. Literally, we are literally fractals of one particle. And it's a literal, physical, tangible thing. So I heard, send light now. So that's what I did. I lay there, I breathed, and I sent all this. I, I just opened up my heart like the sun. My heart is the sun. I just radiate out. And I send out gold into the field. And I send out silver and white light into the field and purple and indigo, because those are my color frequencies. Those are my signature frequencies. And I send them out. Because you are very powerful. As empaths, we're more powerful than the non-empaths. Because we can actually use that energy. And you can use your thoughts, use your mental body to shape and wield your empathic energy. And it's more than the emotional body. The empathic body is not the emotional body. The empathic body is its own body that sits in your own auric field, your own electromagnetic grid. It makes up the auric field. It's one of the light bodies. There's 13 light bodies that make up our auric field. And the empathic body is one of them. Yours is finely tuned. So through meditation and a very clean diet, you can really work with it and go out. You use your sensitivity and you already do this, Colby. You use your, empath- your, your, your sensitivity as a way to be empathetic to others, compassionate and understanding with others. I'm so sorry. I get it. I know I feel that way too. We use it as a way to connect with others so that others feel that what they're experiencing is valid because everybody wants to be valid. So when we moved to Peru, to Cusco, and all these Quechuan women were all sitting in the street selling all their dirty herbs and everything, and they had their kids laying all over the place next to them because they're so poverty-stricken. And there were some very sad people. I felt it like a knife in my heart. There's no way I was going to keep walking past every day to go to, you know, my, my yoga center that I was teaching at and doing healing work at and back up to our rental house. I'd stop. You use your empathic ability to stop and give aid. I didn't speak Quechuan. Barely spoke Spanish. But I'd sit down and, you know, sign language is amazing. You can use your hands. You can use your your facial expressions, your body language. And it's fascinating how I would decide to do this and miraculously someone would show up who spoke English, Spanish, and a little Quechuan who could interpret. It happened every time. I didn't ask for it. It was divine. And so I was able to talk with these women and they thought that I was French. 
They thought that I was in my 30s. And when I let them know my age, that I had been married and divorced, that I have three children, and they were talking about how terrible things had happened to them by the men in their family. And several of them had these children from terrible things that had happened to them from the men in their family. And I let them know that I'd had a terrible marriage, that I had been abused. And suddenly we're talking and we're connecting. And I was letting them know. And they, some of them spoke a little bit of Spanish. And, and the word that I learned so easily, I'm sorry. I learned, I'm sorry, lo siento. I just kept saying that, lo siento, lo siento. We ended up holding hands. I ended up seeing them all the time, going back and seeing them. And when we were done with our time in Peru and I was letting them know after I'd, I'd built relationships with these women and the women, the Peruvian women that owned the, the vegan restaurants there. When I said to them, we're moving back to Estados Unidas and they were like, oh, no, no, don't go. You, you bring, you've empowered me so much. That's what I heard from all of them. You've empowered me by talking with me and sharing with me your story. And I know that we've had similar experiences and you've given so much compassion to me. Thank you. You've changed my life. I was shocked. I was crying. I was crying. I'm like, really? You've made a huge change in our country. I was told that by multiple women. You've made a change in our country. Thank you. So that's what we do with our sensitivity. We use it to rescue animals that need help. We do it by helping children, parents who have the ability to foster children, start be, be a foster parent with that, with that sensitivity. I was going to, except that your father refused to be a foster parent. So then I had Kyan, but I wanted to be a foster parent. And that's a hard world to be empathic in, but it's needed. Our sensitivity builds character. It gives us integrity. It builds inner strength. It is the level of wisdom that we're really here to have. And it really, literally, it raises your consciousness to be sensitive. Another solution too, to I have a hard time sharing this with everybody else. Because when people say things to me, I feel it and I feel badly. That's where the Tom Miguel Ruiz four agreements come in. Don't take anything personally. You really do. You have to. And that takes a practice. You have to practice what people put out is what is going on within them. It isn't about you. It's about them and their programming and what they got from their childhood and what their life experiences have been. And when people put things out into the field that feels like it's a dig, it's because they're very sensitive and they're afraid of feeling badly. So when you're afraid of feeling badly, you're going to attract other people that feel that way too, because it's a resonance match. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that makes a tremendous amount of sense. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make it any easier because it's the feeling and like I can I can understand that. And I guess that's the problem I've been running into my whole life is like I, I have a very good cognitive understanding of that. But the feeling is so strong. It's it just is practicing. It is not any easier even when I know that. So that's kind of that's kind of been my difficulty. And I I have to acknowledge that I am 
I am consistently getting better at it. You know, it's not something that happens overnight. Not for me, it hasn't been. It's been a, it's been years and years and years of like slowly working my way into this, you know, and I, I continue to like get more and more out into the world and kind of like test these things to kind of see like where my voice, I suppose, wants to be, wants to be heard. Um, I, uh, I was down, I was down on a uh, Willamette. Uh, Willamette and 29th and I I went to uh, this was after our sweat and I went to go get some Thai food and I was driving and there was a Thai uh, Thai food place that was along the side of the road and I was like oh I haven't stopped there but I was going to go to virtually I was going to go to another location of that exact same place just farther along and I was like well why don't I just go here I've never been here before so let me like change things up so I went inside and uh, I, w- I walked up to the counter and I was like, um, I was like, hey, I'd like to order in. And the guy was like, oh, OK, uh, do you want to sit down? I was expecting it to be less fancy because the other place that I went to was kind of like just a walk in. So it was like owned by students. So you just walk in and like you kind of say whatever. Very different vibe. This place was more like uh, upstanding, I suppose. So it was very uh, uh, fancy. Um, kind of a sit down place, you know? And so, uh, my walking in and demanding that the guy was confused and I was like, oh, okay. I was like trying to understand like the vibes of this place. Like I'm, I'm explaining this because this is how my world is. And this is how I, I interpret events. So this is a lot of why, like, this is how my sensitivity presents itself. And I'm, I'm crying as I say this because it's really hard. (laughs) I know. And I love your tears, lovey. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. And I love your tears and your tears are powerful and beautiful. <laughs> I know. And and you've always been this way. And I love this about you. <laughs> I know. Your sadness is so powerful and it's so beautiful. And I've been telling you this since the moment you took your first breath. And what I share, and I shared this with you last night, and I'm going to share this in our, in our podcast here, the most powerful and beautiful thing that a male can do is cry. The masculine, when the masculine cries, it is one of the most masculine thing that you guys can do. So, so Go ahead. You know, when I, when I meet anyone new... I'm always on like, I'm always on alert. I'm like trying to like, I'm trying to read, I'm trying to read like their body language and I'm trying to, and I shouldn't say trying to, it's easy. It's like second nature to me, but I should say what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to manage their body language and ensure that they have the most positive and fun experience with me that they could possibly have. So I feel like I do a lot of extra work and jump through a lot of hoops to try to, like, make people's experiences happy. And I guess that's why I feel so hurt by by people, because because it feels like I do a lot of work to, to help people, but I don't think it's the healthiest kind of work. I just don't... I don't think it really makes any sense to... to, uh... Because, you know, I understand that you don't, I understand that you don't have any control over what a person says or thinks. 
or feels, but like that doesn't really do anything to help how I feel about them. And I love them. And I want them to be happy. And I guess that's why I like I really I really struggle in this this system. I really struggle in this world that just everyone has kind of built for themselves because it seems like I have to make decisions that are based on weighing different people's happiness and emotionally I want everyone to be happy. And so it's like If I do something and my doing that thing like helps a certain group of people, but then it also makes another group of people like feel negatively, then my instinct is to like feel bad about the people that were hurt, not happy about the people that had a good time. I'm like, oh, great. Now I don't have to worry about them. Now I can go over to the people who need my help. And it's like constantly, constantly. I'm always focusing on the people who are having the most negative experience, you know, because that's the part that I want to fix. Um, so. So I walked into this Thai place and I talked to I talked to this guy at the counter and 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 he was like, "Oh yeah, okay." So he sat me down and as I as I was going to sit down, I just wanted to go sit down at this little table by myself. I was like, "Okay, I might as well just like sit in and eat. This is not something that I normally do. Normally I get food to go because it's just it's really hard for me to be around that many people. Uh, it's really hard for me to you know, I, I actively try to avoid making new connections as much as possible. So it's like I know. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's like I just wanted to be I just wanted to be alone as usual and um there's this old woman who was sitting at the table and she and as I passed her she was like uh she was like, "Oh, you can sit with me." She was like, "She was like, I'm uh, I'm all alone." And uh, and she was just eating her food. And I was like, I was like, "Oh, that's that's okay. I'm kind of in my own world right now." And I went and I sat down at the other table. And I kind of just kind of sat there and I ordered some food and I was waiting for my food. And then, um, I heard this woman and she, you know she's she's like, she's talking to herself and she has all like all these these little things that she's commenting about. Um. She's dressed pretty commonly, I think, for a, for a woman of of her age. I think she said she was like seventy five. Um, you know, she she looks nice. She looks presentable. She's 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 well dressed, and and but she just her demeanor was very interesting. I never really, I started to notice all these things about her that that were fascinating to me. I noticed that she would she would uh, talk to herself very very out and openly make little comments about her food she would be like she would just t- just little little mundane things like oh this rice is delicious and oh i have to go see my brother later that's interesting and then she would look over at the people that are across from us ma'am i you have the most beautiful smile and your earrings are so pretty and that smile is gorgeous and you are gorgeous and i just love you and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, I have to go talk to this woman. That's crazy. <laughs> and so, 
So I, uh, and then I opened my phone and one of the things that I, that one of the little pieces of things on social media was like, we need to heal each other. Go and talk to that person. Go and sit down at that table. Like <laughs> Your guides were being very blatant. <laughs> they were pushing you way out of your comfort zone yeah. with this. So I, you know, I, I got a I got up and I moved over there and I was like, I'm going I decided I'm going to sit with you after all. And she was like, Oh. <laughs> and uh I started talking to her. Um and because part of it, too, is I could tell that the other people that were in there, they also just wanted to be kept to themselves and they wanted to be alone. And I suppose after a while, part of it became I wanted to I wanted to validate this woman's uniqueness. And I saw her as a very joyful person. And I, I wanted her to, to not feel alone doing that because I really valued what she was what she was giving. So I, I wanted to sit with her. And and then I did. and. And her name is Elaine. And she has had a really hard life. It's not been easy. She had... She just gives of herself all the time. And the men in her life have taken advantage of her. And she's been beaten and raped. And... But she just still... She just still gives... And and is is she was just talking about how she really enjoys baking, and then she was like, and I try to bring things to people, but you know, I I get turned away, I get I get rejected. She was like, I get rejected all the time, and you know, I was just listening to her and and asking her questions, and she asked me a couple questions about myself. And, and, um, yeah, she was just telling me, like, all these stories of all this crazy stuff that, like, happened in her life, um, and I guess, I don't don't remember a lot of the details, I remember that there's just been hardship after hardship, but she just loves to give, she loves to bake, and she loves to bring things to people, but it just feels like the people that are around her just take advantage of her, and... But that doesn't stop her from giving. She still just loves it so much. And she still, like, just wants to give and give and give. And she still just comments on the most beautiful things and, and tries to bring smiles out of people. And, then, and you know, at one point she's like, she's like, you know, as I'm, like, kind of talking to her a little bit more and, and just kind of validating her experience, she, you know, she, she starts, uh, she starts making, uh, she started making these comments like, like, uh, oh, if I was younger <laughs> and, oh, how old are you? You must be what, 35? And I'm like, I'm 26. She was like, oh, 26. I'm 75. I'm much older than you. Oh, but you're so nice. And I, I hope you find the most beautiful woman and you have the most amazing life. And I hope that you have many wonderful children. And I, and I was like, oh, my God. She's like, and, and, and she's like, you know, just over the course of this conversation, she's just making, that's like, that's how she talks. She was like, she was like, I love hugs. I love to give hugs to people. She was like, and I love to press my body up against theirs and feel their heart. And I was like, oh my God, this is the sweetest woman of all time. And talking about how she was like a yoga instructor and how she's into like, 
<laughs> how she's into like uh alternative health and all that stuff and um <laughs> uh how she had gone to um I think she had gone to like India and like studied with a man uh and she was into meditation and had been doing meditations for years um yeah we just had we just had a really amazing connection and at the end of it I was like I was like I I just stood up and and I was like uh, I got my food to go cuz I I could barely eat I just wasn't that hungry honestly um and she was like I was like Elaine it's Owen oh, Owen oh, her name is Elena because that's how it's pronounced in Greek but her abusive husband made her pronounce it Mary Elaine because he didn't like that she was Greek and he didn't like that there was any difference or anything unique he wanted to mold her into this like version of himself so so I was like do you prefer Elena, like, what do you want me to call you? And and she was like, oh, I'm Elaine now. She's like, I've just, it's been so long. I'm just Elaine. And I was like, all right, and Elaine it is. And and I, I was like, Elaine, let me give you a hug. And she was like, oh, really? <laughs> and I gave her a hug. And she was like, oh, you're the most wonderful man. This and that. And I was like, oh, I just love her. And, and then, uh, and then I said goodbye. And I went up and I paid. And the, the guy who was working there, uh, you know, I I was like, I was like, she's quite the character. Uh, I was like, does she does she come in here all the time? And he's like, oh, oh yes. And I was like, uh, I was like, well, it was really nice talking to her. I was like, she's a lovely person. And he was like, yes, uh, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, you come come back anytime. And he's like, do you like do you like Thai iced tea? I was like, yeah. He gave me a free Thai iced tea. He's like, please, it's. And I was like, oh, thank you guys so much. He was like, no, 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 thank you. And then I I left. <laughs> You you made a huge impact not only on her by using your sensitivity in being empathetic and compassionate and understanding. Remember, people just want to be heard. They want to know that the life that they've lived is valid because in our patriarchal society, we've been taught that we're not valid unless we're worth a, a certain amount of money, unless we have a certain amount of status, unless we're keeping up with the Joneses, and none of that is true. And so we use our empathic abilities to hold space for others. And honestly, sweetie, that's all that's needed. It's very curious for me whenever I hear, because I've heard so many of your stories, probably not all of them, but I've heard so many of your stories because, you know, you share so much with me and I'm so grateful for that. And I always can see how your, your child mind took what you saw between your father and I and distorted it because it is a distortion. That's a distortion of what happened to me. And you get all of these different archetypes of me. And remember, I saved myself. And I saved you three kids too. I saved us and I had to. That was my mission. My mission was to save myself and stop looking to somebody else to save me. And so I did. 
I decided I was done asking for somebody to come in and save me because nobody came. I had help with, hey, I'll give you tools to help yourself, but nobody saved me. I had to save myself. And what I see is your life mission is to learn how to only be your own God. You're nobody else's God. If they're happy, that has nothing to do with you. And if they're not happy, that has nothing to do with you. I see that you have to learn in life to allow people to have their experience, even if it's suffering, because they're learning about themselves through their suffering. And that's where we practice non-attachment, which is healthy feeling. And that's when we have to pull back. This is where fourth dimension comes in. Fourth dimension is the observation of 3D. When you are in 4D, you can see the higher purpose for the suffering. Because this is a planet for suffering, or we wouldn't experience it here. We are going to evolve out of that, but we're not there yet, obviously. There's a purpose for someone to suffer. They learn. Had I not been through with your father what I'd been through, I wouldn't be the powerful master healer that I am right now. Wouldn't be able to relate to anybody. So it is very hard when you encounter someone who has experienced extreme brutality and hardship in their life. I know I've had too many clients that have that. But we have to feel and we have to grow and we always have to go into the sensitivity with what's the higher lesson here? Because that's where the wisdom is. The wisdom comes through the sensitivity. The wisdom does not come through the thought. Thoughts are not wisdom. Wisdom is experiencing your feelings. They have to be experienced. They have to be tested and actualized in order for them to be wisdom. They have to. And we accumulate this wisdom throughout lifetimes. It's an accumulation. That's the ascension process is coming back into the higher self, the wise self, and the one in the now. And embodying it, being very physical with that wisdom and utilizing that wisdom to help others, to inspire them to tap into their own wisdom. You did that with this woman. You do that with everybody. Whether you realize it or not is beside the point. You've been one of my greatest teachers. You and your siblings have been my greatest teachers in life. Our children are our greatest teachers. You all have taught me through your own fears and discomfort of yourselves that I need to be very, very comfortable and confident with myself. When I was your age, it was false confidence. You learn to become relaxed and accepting of all aspects of yourself. You, Colby, are funny. You were born funny. You are quick and agile. You were born that way. You are highly sensitive and empathic. You were born that way. You are a psychic medium. You were born that way, whether you practice it now or not. It's well-documented. I wrote it all down. It's the reason why I joined Children's Past Lives when it was brand new on the on brand new internet is because you are a psychic medium. You are a great healer. 
And you're using the medium of music to bring that out to people. But just your presence is soothing for people. But your sensitivity is one of your greatest tools. So stop. Stop damning that. Stop bypassing it. Stop jumping over it. Stop ducking under it. And embrace it. Because it's, I feel from being your mom and seeing you and knowing you probably better than anybody else does. That is actually how you are going to align with your biggest community. That's how you're going to attract your woman. It's through your sensitivity. Your humor is already there. You're going to get comfortable with your humor through your sensitivity. You're going to get comfortable with your power through your sensitivity because the sensitivity is more powerful than any of that. How does that feel to you? Um, that pretty much sums it up, I think. I think that's the gist of it. Your mission in life is to accept yourself as a sensitive human being. To be human is to feel, to emote, to think, and to take action, and to receive. And the other little component before we wrap this it is the sensitivity is connected to the feminine polarity and how we balance out the patriarchy and bring ourselves into the age of love, the age of Aquarius, is we embrace our femininity, that deep sensitivity, that heart feeling, and that receiving. We have to receive the information. We have to receive the, the, the frequency, the energy, the feeling. It's something that it took me a long time to learn. Everyone has to learn to receive first. The feminine comes first. And then the masculine of taking action from that receiving. You take action from what you receive. The receiving gives you the prompting. Oh, now I know what I need to do. Now I know who I need to call. Now I know where I need to knock on a door. Now I know what I need to create because I received it from within. Yeah. And the sensitivity is how you receive that. If you are experiencing a creativity block, it's because you're blocking your sensitivity. Yep. Because that's the feminine. Thank you so much, everyone, for checking out this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, If you have any feedback, we would love to hear it. So you can leave us a response on our Q&A forms, which I know you can find on Spotify. I don't know if they have them on Apple, but I would check that out or any of the other platforms. Or we have a Patreon group where we do a one-hour-long Q&A session every single Sunday. So you can find us on Patreon, Patreon slash One Long Conversation. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to get you involved in the process and uh, heal everyone collectively. That's, that's sort of the goal with this is inner healing for the self, for the collective. Uh, let's just find the best way to do it, get it all out there, and uh, move forward. So thank you guys so much, and we will see you for next week's episode.